Welcome to For Instance Podcast, the tech podcast where we spin out endless supposals about cloud, AI, the edge, and more. We sift through current events, opine about what it means for practitioners and leaders, and interview industry observers about where different technologies are taking us. If you like digging into the story behind the story in tech, this podcast is for you. Welcome to episode one of For Instance Podcast. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. We are Sarbjeet Jawal and Sarah Music, and we're super excited to bring you the first episode of the For Instance podcast. So welcome. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, everybody, for a warm welcome to our announcement of new podcast called For Instance. I hope you got the pun in the name. Instance is a widely used technical term from coding to all the way to instance of a server or instance of even a data center. The plan for, for our podcast is to review the news of last two weeks in B2B tech and also give us our commentary. It will include earnings as well as the events which happen from time to time in B2B tech. And we're going to cover cloud, AI, and edge. So I wouldn't say that we'll completely restrict ourselves to those three, but I think you can expect that those three will take up the bulk of our time. Definitely, we will add all ancillary sort of topics to it because everything sort of revolves around these three sets of technologies. With that said, let's get into the big news from last two weeks. Awesome. So the first uh, that we wanted to highlight was the proposed amended guidelines from the FTC for mergers and acquisitions. This is really interesting given some of what we've seen over the past few years in tech. I find it really difficult in tech because I would say my posture as a person, generally speaking, is pretty pro-antitrust or is that anti-antitrust? I think looking for antitrust is, is a good thing. We want lots of businesses to thrive, but when you have a truly innovative company that's doing something that nobody else has done, trying to keep the market open, but at the same time, not hamper that that company from innovating, I think is really, that's a fine line to walk. So it's an interesting read. Some of the language from an enforceability perspective, I think will be challenging, but what do you think, Sarbjeet? Yeah, actually, Lena Khan is a controversial personality. She wrote a paper on Amazon before she was appointed to this position of FTC chair. I think they are pushing it a little bit too much, which if you see from one angle, which, which we need that, bigger companies are becoming bigger and there are $3 trillion market cap companies, market cap companies. On the other side, um, the smaller guys are struggling to make any difference in the market because bigger companies have the like a breadth of portfolio of their services and they can bundle things, they can give discount on one and then do the charge, the sort of MSRP on the other and show market that they're gaining traction there. So there's a lot of things going on. We have seen this time and again, like Zoom versus Teams kind of stuff, right? So I think they're, the intent is right, but approach I think is, is kind of controversial. So yeah, only Agreed. time will tell, but but I I believe in the American exceptionalism and, and I, think, uh, I think our current um, FTC chair tries to challenge that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a believer in it too. And I think part of what makes it difficult is 
you know, when you're looking at, in fairness, if you look at, you know, some of the antitrust activity there was around Facebook as it, as it began to grow, some of, some of it was that what's now meta, they were a victim of their own success. And that's not to say that they didn't behave in an antitrust way as time wore on. But I do think that's something that's, you know, really difficult in, in technology when you have companies that are uh, super innovative. Having said that, they're not above going after each other just from a competitive uh, jockeying perspective. So definitely interesting to keep a, a tab on for sure. Yeah, definitely. Another aspect is that the, that FTC's role is very tedious. So they want to help consumers with low prices on one end, but on the other end, they want all companies to have a fair chance. But the economics, economics works in opposite direction, if you will. If you're bigger only, you can reap the benefits of scale, scale. And, and yeah, and, and small companies can't be that efficient, you know, um, there are no economies of scale there, right? So it is kind of hard for for them to decide, like, okay, it's, oh yeah, it's cheaper if one company is big, Walmart is giving you the cheapest prices, but it's, it's gobbling up all the sort of retail uh, from the small, smaller uh, shops and, and, you know, mom and pop shops all around the US. I mean, how do you balance that, for example, right? So it, the job is very hard and they're, they're trying their best. And, and for us, maybe, maybe in general, uh, they, they seem to focus a lot more on tech for some reason. They do. They do. Yeah. And some of that may be, and this was one of the more interesting sections, I think, in the proposals was the issue of multiple acquisitions. So that's something that every tech company really that's been around for any length of time participates in is a series of acquisitions. There are core competencies that you want to scale up on or you want to augment what you already have within the walls of the company. And so you go through an acquisition and the guidelines, the proposed guidelines said that if there's one ag- acquisition that comes under scrutiny, they will probably take a look at all of them. So they look at it a little bit as a sweater. And so if they pull on one thread in the sweater, they're, they, they think that it's going to become an unraveling activity insofar as the fact that they all likely to be looking at some of the other acquisitions, which is both encouraging and a little unnerving. It's kind of double-edged sword. Like they, their narrative is that they want to discourage MNA. But if you discourage MNA, what happens is most of the tech companies which are started here in the Bay Area or all, all around the U.S. for most B two B companies, the top um, exit strategy is MNA. That's exactly so, right. Yeah. Yeah. So they can't survive on their own alone because they're they're niche player in storage or network or security, right? So if you stop that MA activity, or if you tell Microsoft hey, you can't get any more bigger, then uh, it discourages these innovators to say like, how will I compete with these big guys if they don't buy us or That's if there's right. no path to MA? And for, yeah, for a lot of these founders or the founding teams, the early employees, that's, that's their nest egg. They take some real chances for the sake of the company, 
because they do want that dream of getting acquired by a big label and changing all of their lives. It's part of the American dream. I think it's, it's exciting when situations like that pan out. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I, I sit on both sides of the fence on this (laughs) one. So. Yeah, yeah, we all. I think we, most of us are both like uh, are on both sides. You know, like it's it's, mm-hmm. it's again tedious problem to solve. Uh, I've been in 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 that sort of in those shoes where we were working day and night almost during dot com days. Even after that, even till today, uh, people who work really hard on certain things they should be rewarded. I think um, um, because they they should have um, this. Uh, finance, good financial outcome. If somebody is making more money, it, it doesn't. That doesn't mean that they are ripping off others. I believe. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I agree. Yeah. Well, you know. So one of the this is so random, but one of the great American success stories recently that came out of Hollywood was Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, an immigrant who, you know, he had three different careers. You know, as a bodybuilder. You know, as a politician. As a as a movie star, and you know, the notion potentially that he'd be held back from accomplishing any of what he did, you know, it's fun. I think people get a charge out of watching that kind of success and that kind of, uh, you know, trajectory. Yep. Um, along with that comes the burnout and that's real as well. Uh, and many times people who are trying their best to make a difference from bottom of their heart. And some people are, Quite a few times, there are people who are greedy who enter the enter the, um, the the game and they want to make quick buck and they get caught many times, but sometimes they don't. So yeah. it's all over the place, and it's just a societal messy thing. It's I think very it's just... messy. Yeah, I agree. As well, long as it's... Say... yeah, this uh-huh. may sound strange to say, but as long as it it stays messy, I think we're on the right track. As soon as it gets too easy, then I think we're in trouble. It you know to to sort of uh decipher some of these things I think is really difficult. So I don't I don't think it'll stop being messy. <laughs> yeah, actually definitely I've seen I have worked a lot in Europe and I see a very stark difference between I'm born and raised in India. So I've seen the Asian sort of Eastern sort of thinking and then also in the middle thinking in the Europe, you know, EU and how they approach things and how we approach things in here in the US. I'm in the US for the last 28, 29 years. Um it's the way we do things is is a lot different than Europe, and of course, a lot, a lot more different than than Asia. Our systems are built in a way that they they favor the people who take risks, and and our bankruptcy laws are the best in the world. And other countries are trying to put those things in place, but it's hard for them because their financial institutions are not strong enough, or they they don't have that base like what we have for all these sort of more than 100 yeah. years if you will and um i, I am a, a uh, i'm very bullish on us all the time so <laughs> there's that um yeah i think we have spent enough time on this topic so um uh, let's let's get to some of the bigger news microsoft released earnings uh so did google um and uh, tsmc as well tsmc revenue dipped by 10 percent and they are halting the the rollout of their factory in Arizona. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's worth following, you know, given some of the geopolitical situation, I think 
a globally resilient silicon supply chain is something that we that we need. And um, you know, that one's not necessarily the best news, especially for for the folks who absorb what they manufacture. So AMD, NVIDIA, you know, to some extent, you know, AWS Graviton. It's not, I mean, a, a, a year's delay is not a huge thing, but it is interesting that given sort of the the race, the new and newly reinterpreted race that we have with AI, that uh, you know, that there would be a delay. It's been a it's been a long-standing thing. And by long-standing, we mean the past couple of years as far as, you know, some of the drought that we've seen as far as silicon. So, you know, some of the some of what I saw in red said, you know, it's not going to make a huge impact because a lot of that can be rolled back to Taiwan. Uh, but I do think that may put a strain on what's going on there already. So worth worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, I think partially is economic reason. Partially it can be political, you know. So yeah, it's we we know that China and Taiwan situation there. And um and mm -hmm. also we know that government is putting money into local companies, including Intel. Um, right. And Intel is trying to be in the fab business, and so there's, there's a lot. There are a lot of moving parts here, and um, yeah, it, it is kind of a little bit discouraging news. Uh, I, I that's how I see it, but hopefully it will be rectified pretty soon. Yeah. So that that was that was TSMC and Microsoft. Microsoft uh, cloud uh, growth uh, was one percent lower than what they reported last quarter last year so it's always year over year sort of quarter that's how market wants to see these numbers but on the other side google cloud grew at much faster pace and their stock actually jumped to about six to seven percent after hours and next day as well microsoft was down about two to three percent after hours but next day which is today they recovered uh, pretty well so they are um, almost same what they were yesterday. So not much damage was done uh, there. Yeah. Uh, expectations are very high from AI, from Microsoft. And um, I did a survey on, on Twitter asking people who has good narrative around AI plus cloud, not only AI, not only cloud, AI plus cloud, right? I gave them three key. options, Microsoft, Amazon, and Google. And majority picked um, Microsoft. So numbers will, will be on the screen here. Uh, I will insert that screen in, in post-production post here. And, and I, I, thought already, I thought about that uh, number, actually. We, we, have, we have been seeing, we feel that way as well, because Microsoft is throwing a lot more information out there as compared to uh, Google. But definitely AWS was sort of mom or just not saying much at all around AI. Uh, for many months and then gradually they started talking about um, Andy Jassy gave an interview to John Ford of CNBC that was a very telling interview I did a big summary on that you know you know 18 points you know like what he mentioned it was a very telling interview but yesterday in New York there was AS, AWS summit and they announced quite a few things uh, what do you think about that AI and cloud mix and who's gaining traction and and what's the best foot forward yeah i so one of the most interesting side shows to me in is in this one is 
AWS Bedrock because I don't think that, and this is surprising for AWS, they're usually really good about evangelizing their services, but they have not talked about Bedrock a lot, you know, from the standpoint of a generative AI, you know, serverless solution that, that they would have available to their customers. So I find that surprising. And so from that standpoint, I don't think it's at all uh, unexpected that Microsoft would potentially lead there because with the substantial, substantial investment they made in chat GPT and the sort of lightning speed with which they started integrating it into Bing and Teams and other ways that they're looking to plug it in. There, there is another side to that and that's the side of uh, revenue growth. So to what extent this is gonna become uh, sort of a, a revenue driver for them. And I read an article just recently, well, within the, the past day or so that kind of made me chuckle because they, their description of it, and you and I were talking about, you know, Copilot and some of what they might do there. The way they described it, and I think it's realistic, but it kind of makes people a little jumpy is gradual, gradual revenue, revenue growth, gradual monetization. And I, I think that's a healthy posture, but people also want to know if it's going to cost that much that you're going to be making money out the door. Google historically between the three, uh, you know, if you look at BigQuery and, you know, a lot of what it's done as a cloud provider, I think people tend to go to Google for, for research projects and, and different things. They've, they've owned the corner on the market, but I think from a marketing perspective, they've let Microsoft kind of jump ahead a little bit. What do you, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I, okay. There was super cloud. I, I'm going to tie this, these thing, two things together. There was a super cloud event, which, uh, the cube folks did silicon angle the cube folks and um, i participated in that there were a bunch of vendors super cloud term is gaining traction the idea is that anything built on top of cloud newer services newer set of services like um, a snowflake and uh, um, cloudflare kind of services which 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 sit on the side of the cloud, if you will, parallel to cloud or on top, they're built on top of cloud, right? Right. Um, the new identity mechanisms, right? So they, they're, they're cross cloud. So like you don't care if you're using Azure or, or, or um, AWS or Google Cloud underneath for your infrastructure, you can use these services um, anywhere, right? So that's the idea behind super cloud. In that context, I think the we have to see that there are three things I said there. One is that we have to see the AI as B2B versus B2C. In B2C world or from business to consumer sort of scenario, we are pleasantly um, shocked, if you will, that, hey, this is product, it makes me productive. I can write things better. Uh, faster, it, get, it sort of uh, fixes the clean sheet problem. It, it gives you gives me pointers I can write more about and stuff like that. You know, um, it, it it makes individual people a lot more productive. But in the B two B world, there were there are like more. We have to be more be more cautious about the the accuracy, explainability. Definitely. 
in B2B world, actually there are two other segments, sub-segments. One is the creation part, one is operation. During the creation part, for example, when you're writing the code, uh, coders can leverage it to to a to, you know, maximum degree, and then they can review the code and look at the code. If it looks good, they can just block it into their systems and deploy it and all that stuff, right? And they can write better specs, they can, you know, write better business case, you know, they can, if they're looking for money to build something new within a company, they can build the business case and ask ChatGPT to write, for example, some stuff blurb for them, August stuff during creation, right? But in operations, we need predictability, we need accuracy, and many of our systems are very close to what regulators look at, especially systems of record. That's mm -hmm. what I mentioned in, in, the, um, in our talk. So systems of record have to be accurate, right? We have accounting in place, taxes and all that stuff. We, we can't make chat GPT make up numbers or make up things, laws on the fly. You can't do We're that, extemporized, right? yeah. yeah. It's we not can, a place we cannot... where you want to get creative. Yeah. Yes, we cannot tolerate any hallucinations in that sort of world. Uh, so this is what I said. I said we should not take the the large language models anywhere near our systems of record, right? But our systems of engagement and systems of innovation, yes, we can start tinkering with um, um, generative AI in those spaces, especially mm -hmm. in the creation mode, not in the operation mode. But definitely in the operation mode, like uh, Yesterday, I was at this IBM um, summit here in Palo Alto with, with at, at the Cube Studio again. Um, we had great discussions. Um, there were some IBM fellows there, very seasoned scientists from you know industry, um, discussing stuff with them. We will have use of generative AI in operations as well, but th those models will be very highly specialized models. Um, in security space, um, in in scale on, on network sides, and security is a huge uh, problem going forward for us. Ransomware attacks and whatnot. I think we'll we'll end up using a lot more AI in that space. Those are my two cents. Yeah, actually, it was like more like five cents there. <laughs> Good sense. <laughs> Good sense. So what you know, having said that, kind of dovetailing that with you know, some of what we've seen about Windows potential proposals for, for offerings from Microsoft 365 and the $30 a month, do you think it's going to be worth it for consumers? Are they looking at this as a loss leader so that they can, you know, potentially capture, you know, more, more market share? What, what do you think they're, they're thinking in that regard? Yeah, there was a lot of uh, talk around Twitter and on LinkedIn I gave my two cents very bluntly, which I usually do, that I think $30 per person per month is a lot, right? Additional $30 per person per month for just getting some additional AI benefits. I think it's a lot. Mm -hmm. The two things, one, one is that you can't, I think you should not price the AI separately. It's not a product. It's a feature of a product. You can hike the price of your product like Salesforce did last week, but not just say, okay, for $30 extra, you will get AI. And then if, so, if somebody is not paying you $30 extra, I mean, you will give them this dumb software. I mean, it, it sort of doesn't make sense to me. 
that's one thing. And the second thing is by doing that, it opens up an opportunity for other their competitors, like which is in this case mainly uh, Google on the productivity software side, that Google can come and say like, hey, we're not going to charge you extra for AI. It, it is part of the thing and, and it's cost of doing business. By doing that, they can get more market share. So that's that would change what, it what pretty do you think? quickly. Yeah, I think that would I think that would pivot it uh, pretty quickly, uh, which, you know, this is sort of historically predictable behavior for Microsoft that oh, yeah. they they take advantage of the existing ecosystem. They potentially layer some extra costs on it. Those costs might not be massive, but when you're thinking about a few thousand people, that's going to add up, you know, pretty quickly. And if you're looking at smaller organizations, it might not make it might not make sense. And if, if Google were to roll it in, you know, I think that's, that's going to be a risk. And, but the other part is the putting windows in cloud as well. I actually, I'm a little bit concerned about that because windows will affect B2B as well as, B, yes. as well as B2C as well. A lot of people have windows on their PCs at home as well, because anything which goes into cloud, then it's it's the normal tendency for them to charge on annual basis, if not monthly, right? So Office went to cloud, we pay every year now, even individually. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Windows goes to cloud, they may ch- start charging us, even if, if it is you know fifty dollars a year, it's much more expensive than just getting Windows. Right now we get Windows Over the and life the PC the lasts for three four years. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree. Well, and, you know, as much as I love the cloud, which is to say very much, I mean, I'm, I, I work in cloud. There are some things that I think you can make a very fair case just shouldn't go because then you open up sort of a Pandora's box of risks and latency issues and communication issues and, you know, outages and, you know, doing that with a, a very basic component of accessibility to the rest of the information world, the operating system seems kind of dicey to me. And, you know, obviously there'd be local caching on the machine, you know, essentially you'd have an image that would be on the machine, but if it's trying to reach out for an update or it's trying to pull information because there's, you know, there's something that has to be reconciled, I, I, I think that could be, I think that could be a problem. And then, uh, you know, of course, there's the bandwidth issue because all of a sudden you have the operating system communicating the internet. So, yeah. I know, actually, right now we are recording this 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 video on, on Windows PC and my PC is going berserk. The fan is going on and on because we, we need um, local power for a lot of use cases as well, right? So um, I don't know how the 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 graphics part will work, how you can record like heavy duty videos and stuff like that when, when Windows is in cloud and um, the IO will, how the IO will work. Yes, that, that definitely networks are improving. I have this one gig down, one gig up kind of um, uh, bandwidth at home, but not everybody has it. So I think they have to keep this hybrid uh, mode for long. Maybe that, that actually, by the way, that news was put our like half-hearted I mean, we plan to do that. That's what they said, right? So perhaps they will do that in the B2B context first, 
in B2B context, the, the virtual PCs, we are we have been trying to do that for a long time. Yeah, that's it's not, not a great success story. Yeah. Um, VMware tried doing that, all IBM and you name it, every big vendor tried to give the this virtual PC uh, sort of access to a bunch of companies. <clears throat> but um, it, it didn't fly. In some cases, it does. Remote workers and remote office workers, um, you know, franchises and stuff like that. I think there can be a scenario. I think they have to run hybrid for for many years to come. Yeah. Means like you can get a Windows PC or Windows in cloud, or you can just do it locally. Yeah, I think that's. I'm, you know, I'm glad you made that distinction because I I had the remote worker in my head because there are still a lot of folks who are remote. There are a lot of folks who'd like to remain remote. So if you're on site, you're on campus, the issue of, you know, I mean, VDI obviously has done that with the entire machine. And so in that sense, it's not, you know, revolutionary, but to sort of break apart the components and do that with the operating system for a remote worker, maybe, maybe it would work. I, I don't know. I, I think it sounds a little, a little fraught, but time will tell. Yeah, I think it works in certain areas. I've seen it work. I did some work with Sonar, which is a health tech company based in Kansas, and all they used was Citrix, and mm -hmm. they just streamed the PC to doctors, you know, office. <laughs> it's just over the wire. Um, the, yeah. the, the, the OS is sort of sitting somewhere else. So it works in some cases, but but Microsoft coming in, saying we will host the windows in our cloud there are so many implications to to the partner ecosystem to resellers wars what we call value added resellers um they they sell it right now the oem business what will happen to that dell hp other people build pcs lenovo what will happen there because right now the windows is sold to them as oem a lot of unknowns there and for, yes. yeah, client applications, I think that could be interesting too, because, you know, if it's it, in, in some sense, it's the same situation as, you know, a VDI, you know, when you've fully virtualized the machine at that point, but there are, there are some issues with uh, client applications that you need to have uh, running right there on the machine. And I think that's another one, the software ecosystem that would need to be considered. Definitely. I, I think, yeah, again, I think different use cases for different personas. Um, I think they will, they will keep that in mind. And, and Windows looks like a loss leader for Microsoft, but having operating system. Okay, if you, okay, if you, we promised I will double click on things, right? <laughs> or triple click. So if you really think deep down, Look at the companies which are three trillion, almost, almost three trillion or three trillion in market cap. They have few things common. They have they own the operating system, right? There's Microsoft owns Windows, and Apple owns two big operating systems. One is for your phone, and one for your PCs as well. So having owning the operating system, owning the container where things will sit in is a huge advantage because mm -hmm. whatever you make, you can put that at the right place. If you have the, if the container is yours, you can 
fit the things better in that container as compared to somebody else building things to fit in your container right so operating system is like a container here so i think uh, uh, having operating system with you is a huge advantage and uh, i was looking through the transcript of microsoft earnings it's, it's very juicy thing to do actually if you the viewers if you have time to take a look at the transcripts of the the um, earnings it tells you where the focus of the company is and also from the questions it tells you what the focus of the market is what market is asking vendors to do or what they think they will do versus what market what vendor wants to push right so there was hardly any mention of windows in the prepared remarks but there were questions from the analysts right and on the google side they mentioned that the capex will go down a little bit just once and then the the questions the the, the analysts are all over it you're like, oh my god you're yeah. slowing down your your capex what happened there and then there was like so um it's interesting analysis actually I, I did the word analysis and put it out on twitter i will try to put this that those pictures in in, in this um broadcast in the video format and um interesting stuff yeah i yeah the google's google's earnings and in their story as far as the performance of google cloud i i think this is a really fun one to watch you know one of the things that i view as a bellwether of the industry is the Flexera State of the Cloud report. And if you look at Google's growth and how it's perceived by practitioners and leaders in B2B just over the past year, I think the chat GBT, you know, open AI partnership for Microsoft is super, super timely because I think, I think they need to be concerned if they're not already, you know, and they're, uh, their antitrust suit, you know, as Google sues Microsoft because, you know, of the gravity that they're sort of Google's claim is bludgeoning people with, with the, you know, the Windows Server issue in the cloud. You know, some of the numbers that came out of that were super interesting in terms of rev actual revenues for Azure. So I, that's going to be, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'd like to see Google do better with the, the generative AI story, but this is early. We've got to remember that. I think for a lot of people in the industry, it feels like it's been a lifetime because so much has happened since the beginning of the year. I mean, that's part of why we decided not to talk about the whole first six months of the year and catch everybody up because there was just so much to talk about that we'd probably be here for five hours. So yeah, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, to, the, to our viewers, like we plan, plan to do uh, the first episode we will cover all the things that have happened so far this year and we'll create a baseline and they'll say, no, 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 that's, that'll be too much. That This one year has been like five years <laughs> for like, a, it seems Another like year. the pace of technology change, especially with, with the generative AI coming into the picture. Everybody jumped into it. Every vendor sits with the Jensen of, of NVIDIA <laughs> and then do the press conference. Um, yeah, it, it, it it's crazy. So we didn't do that. We 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 will do a summary episode at, at some point within the next you know four to six weeks. No promise made there, but we will do it definitely 
that was what happened so far this year for CIOs to consider um, their posture for practitioners to take classes or certifications in. So our goal is to 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 uh, give you folks in, in enough uh, information that a bigger picture, if you will, these are the things happening in tech. Take the steps to to react to it. You know, um, like the, the, the Ross. You know Ross uh, clothing company, right? So they used to they used to have this um, tagline: "It's a free country." Um, uh, it's a free country dress accordingly or something like that. <laughs> so I, I adopted that. It's like, hey, the deck is moving fast, you know, act accordingly. <laughs> so, right. So uh, we we plan to bring you the so the, the key news and the pointer. We, the key is that we will give you pointers. You can double click on that. And, and, and if there are any questions, actually, we can answer. Definitely ping us. Uh, by, by the way, on that note, we are going to put the show notes in a Google Doc and with the links, all the links to which I've been mentioning and, and Sarah has been mentioning that we will give you information. We'll put that in that Google Doc. That'll be read only for you folks. And if you think we are missing something for the last two weeks, what happened in B2B tech, we will put that in and we will give the credit to you the kudos to you for for mentioning that you know in that we in that doc which will be tied to the every bi-weekly episode so please let us know if you have missed anything big which you think should have been put into this podcast agreed we we hope there's going to be a lot of juicy information a lot of juicy in-depth information in in the show notes so we plan to make those high value for you. Um, you know, we know everybody's busy. So, you know, even that something you can kind of munch on as you go, hopefully it'll provide some good, good info. Yeah. The, the pact we have made between us is that we want to respect, respect the listener's time. We don't really, really, personally, I really don't care how many people watch it, but, but whatever they watch, whoever watches, they get the best value out of it, you know? So, and, and also give us feedback, all kind of feedback, good, bad, ugly, and what we can do. Should we condense the format? Should, should we change the format and so forth? So, so we'll be listening to you guys. Uh, any anything else like um, as departing notes? Actually, I have I have this few things here. Um, I'm reading my notes, guys. Now, <laughs> China uh, finalized their AI guidelines, which is one of uh, its first one of its kind, if you will, first big country to put those guidelines out there. I mean, of course, it's China, we, we know, like, they may change those things. Like, Probably. Frequently. Yeah. But I think the US is lagging in that, that um, sort of area that our regulators are way behind um, what, what's happening in the AI uh, space. US government emails hacked. Uh, that can be you, you, you want to mention that? Yeah, that that's a story, you know, another one that I'll be personally following. So one of one of uh, sort of a personal project that I did years ago was kind of digging into what was being reported about the Office of Personnel Management hack in 2013-2014. So that, you know, and the the aliases were Captain America and Tony Stark of that one it was super ironic, but it is a bit of a bellwether, sort of what's 
good for the goose is good for the gander. If, if some of these ploys are being leveraged against the federal government, I think it's safe to say that there are things that can be used against the enterprise. And so that is, that is one from an, an email perspective that I would keep an eye on. Yeah, actually, all these hacks, especially when our government agencies get hacked, I mean, a lot of individuals, consumers, even businesses lose some, you know, some sleep, if you are like, hey, if you can get hacked, and who are we? So how will we protect ourselves? And I think uh, it's very um, the optics of government getting hacked are not good. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. Let's cover that topic in the next episode, actually, how the the blame is coming to Microsoft for that hack. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll cover that in the next episode. The last thing, Lena can't testify to this uh, committee, the House Judiciary Committee, and she was like brutally like questioned on her ability to serve and her, her motives and all that stuff. That's interesting um, thing to watch. Uh, it's on YouTube. Um, so we'll put the link in our show notes as well. So with that said, we wish you great next two weeks and we'll see you on Thursday, two weeks from now. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Thanks for Sarah. listening. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, everybody.